0: You're listening to Wealth Tech on Deck, a podcast about the future of wealth management technology. Brought to you by Life Yield. Here's your host, Jack Sherry. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us on this edition of Wealth Tech on Deck. Each week I speak with industry leaders around the issues of wealth management. Retirement, financial advice, and technology. I talk with those who are leading the way as we seek to help advisors, clients, participants, and firms enjoy better financial outcomes all around the confluence of digital and human advice. I especially enjoy conversations with disruptors. Today, we have just such a conversation as I speak with Aaron Shum. Aaron is the founder and CEO of Vestwell. I will let Aaron tell the Vestwell story, but he is uh, the model of disruption not only at Vestwell, but at prior points in his career. So all very good stuff. So Aaron, welcome to Wealth Deck on Deck. I've been following your success for a while. I'm excited to hear the story firsthand.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Jack. It's great to be here. I appreciate it. And I've enjoyed listening to your podcast as well.
0: Great. It's good to hear. So Aaron, let's start with you telling our audience about Vestwell. Who are you? What do you do? What's going on? Everything I read and hear, you guys are killing it. So tell the story.
1: Yeah. I mean, at a high level, right, we're a fintech platform focused on powering small businesses and individual savers across the country. And we're doing so starting within the workplace and then helping carry individuals beyond the workplace to get properly saved for the future, really centered around your, you know, Potentially retirement, right? If people still retire and, you know, I think today's era, a lot of people don't retire anymore, but they need to live comfortably. Sure. Focus on saving for education uh, and then health. That's really where we are. We're kind of the engine behind the scenes, helping engage, primarily focused through through a few channels that we can unpack later.
0: So a lot of our audience, from what I hear tell, are on the wealth management side, not as uh, steeped in the, and you spent a lot of time in that side of, of your career, and we'll get to that in a minute. But a lot of the folks uh, that are listening aren't as tuned in to all the intricacies of the DC business. Another big name that we read about, hear about is uh, Empower. So maybe a compare and contrast. How are you different the same than, say, an Empower, which I'm pretty familiar with that story. I know Ed Murphy pretty well. But one want you maybe just to help our audience understand the difference.
1: Yeah. So empower is a kind of a roll-up of a bunch of firms, right? The old JP Morgan, Fastcore, Great West, right? And all of those things came together and the, the Fidelity crews behind the scenes
0: fifth, third, prudential. They right. all of them.
1: Yes, yes. They they buy a business a day, I feel like. So think of us as kind of the engine focused on powering small businesses. Yep. and those savers within those businesses and then beyond and it's a all you know proprietary new from scratch api driven cloud based platform that allows people you know to engage that in a really elegant, seamless fashion, trying to remove the friction along the way, right? That's really just plagued this industry and kept yeah. it stagnant for so long. Yeah. Because it's new technology and we can get a lot of operational efficiencies out of the technology, we're able to drive the cost down significantly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we keep it very open architecture and flexible in how we do it. It's actually one platform that's been created to do this. So it's a different construct, but you know, I look at us, we don't really compete with Empower. You could argue that Empower could even use us right? As part of their engine to go after, you know, the small businesses and the savers across there. So, you know, we look at ourselves as kind of, we want to be the engine behind everyone, whoever it is, right? And we're focused on three channels, right? We focus on financial services channels and empowering those to think advisor-led initiatives, asset managers, RAs, you know, broker dealers, wirehouses, banks, credit unions, insurance companies, and allowing them to engage with those small businesses and those savers. We focus on state-sponsored programs, Right. So if you think of the payroll deducted IRAs that are out there, the you know, secure choice or auto IRA, auto IRA, we focus on the 529 college savings. And then a 529A, which are ABLE savings for individuals that have a disability or family member that has mm-hmm. a disability mm-hmm. that can save on a tax-deferred basis or, or tax-exempt basis. So, and then I should mention the third channel we engage with is on the payroll, HRS side, right? And we kind of sit at the intersection of all three of those and they all significantly overlap in how they're helping power the savers.
0: Yeah. And again, as a way for our audience to understand where you fit, given the familiarity with large firms like Warehouse, I know you're in at Morgan Stanley. What are you... Maybe a d- description of how you work with Morgan Stanley because an example and power also works with Morgan Stanley. So uh, talk to me maybe me a little bit about this.
1: So we are the Morgan Stanley at work platform right for small businesses. Yeah. So empower is there focused on large market. But we're what we've done is, you know, typically what would happen is an advisor would go to a business owner, right? They us say they have a wealth client, right, that, who runs a business. That business owner says, hey, I need a 401k for my employees. Mm-hmm. And the advisor then would go place that business somewhere, right? And in you know offer that service right sitting on top as the advisor, but over time there's a lot of assets that move away from that business right because the individual employees leave and they roll out and they go somewhere else you know Fidelity or whatnot takes the IRA rollover and disappears it's using using someone else's uh, asset management typically right so what we've done is kind of flip that right and say hey this can be yours you can be in the 401k space or the workplace. And you can have your own platform, open architecture, your own investments, your own advisors, and actually keep it in the complex and have zero overhead in doing so, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And we can help power that. So it allows people to get in the game and engage with these businesses rather than try to you know, effectively compete for it over time because mm-hmm. someone else is trying to offer their own proprietary solution and take it elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So that's really this unconflicted way where we can allow people to engage in this really concise, easy, fluid manner and not have the burden of you know going and renting a legacy record keeping platform and trying to staff it with an army of people and build a business that hopefully scales over time we basically get them in market tomorrow and it's immediately you know scalable and profitable for them
0: one of the things I've been observing, and, and Powers a good example, and I think you guys are as well, this convergence of the DC side or four hundred and one k or retirement side, and the wealth management side. And clearly, Morgan Stanley's a great example of that. That it's fundamental to their strategy. Morgan Stanley at work is getting a lot of attention, investment, what have you, resources to pull that together. So maybe talk about that that trend of of that convergence between defined contribution uh, retirement and uh, wealth management.
1: It's a obviously a massive trend, right? And and I think Morgan Stanley, you know, kudos to them. They recognize this early because there is a distinct first mover advantage for getting in this space, right? So at a high level, you have 32 million small businesses in this country. You have less than a million of them currently offer a workplace savings program. You have about, you know, give or take a hundred million individuals that are undersaved and underserved looking for something to help in that solution. So you know typically, you know, as this industry has kind of evolved over time, the core technology behind it has not kept pace. So it's been very difficult for people to actually engage in a cost-effective, you know, really seamless manner that, that they want to. So it's not that you know, they're underserved because no one wanted to help them. It's just there wasn't an easy way to do it that made sense from a business perspective but engaging in those businesses right everyone wants to be at work they want to engage in those businesses and then they want to you know look at the employees of those businesses as prospective clients right sure. because 75% of individuals their first dollar they ever save is through the workplace sure. and you know sure. and then who do you trust typically when you're saving right and you're doing something or you're providing a solution you trust your financial institution hopefully right And you trust your employer, hopefully, right? And so when your employer is able to offer something to you and get you to start saving, and there's an advisor there to help hold your hand along the way when needed, but do so at scale, it's really powerful in helping close the savings gap.
0: Yeah. So uh, this is something that you know well, frankly, I spend my whole life thinking about talking about, and I'll use Morgan Stanley. It's a a client in common. If you look at their strategy, what they've done is they have built out in my well-researched opinion, they are far and away the biggest and baddest and best at the comprehensive wealth management platform. And they're moving toward comprehensive advice platform. They have it largely there now. It's not all fully connected, but it's getting there. So as an example, the Ben Hanekees of the world who run that basically responsible, that all products and platforms wind up there. And the idea is to, to provide advice ultimately around what's the next best thing to do for the client. Now, over at Morgan Stanley at work, which for now is a little bit more separate than they probably want it to be down the road. Uh, at some point, uh, that's all going to get connected. And I'm not sure how you play in that in that way. But the idea is that you're right. People start with their 401k as a, as a savings plan. And then as they accumulate wealth or company gets bought or sold, or you know they make more money and get a bonus here or there, and they make some money in real estate, whatever it might be, They have more money and they kind of the idea, certainly with Morgan Stanley, their ideas that this all comes together on our wealth management platform. So talk a little bit about that play that they're not separate. They're kind of set up largely because, as you've talked about, it's old old legacy systems and old ways of thinking. But how is this starting to come together?
1: Yeah, I mean, you nailed it, though, right, as far as where it goes. So if you start saving within the workplace. Depends on the institution, right? What's their core value prop? Right? Where do they want to be? But Morgan Stanley is a good example, right? So you have the advisors, you know, one of the largest, you know, advisor forces out there. They're engaging with those small businesses or businesses in general. Now the savers are stepping in, the employees are starting to save, they see the dollars. And then you can start to plug in other components across the Morgan Stanley complex that makes sense, right? Let's call it self-directed brokerage, right? If you want to do that. And then you could look at private wealth. You could look at core banking solutions. You could look at asset management solutions. You could look at, you know, wellness solutions, right? And the wellness component's a core factor of it, right? Because if you have the wellness piece, then you can start to see where individuals actually sit on that horizon, right? And on that spectrum and start to step them through that process and say, okay, you know, this is how we think about investwell, right? We have an individual saving. And let's just say we know we can ask that they're, you know, we have their beneficiary information, right, as an example. And we can identify who those beneficiaries are. And if those beneficiaries are younger, right? odds are they should probably have, you know, some sort of education savings program available to them, right? And then you can use that as a leading indicator to say, hey, you should have a 529, right? Sure. Or do you want, one? right? And then you start to step them through. And then you have all the while, you have the advisor sitting on top, knowing when they need to step in, right? right. Because they're getting all the data surface backed up to them to say, hey, maybe we should have a conversation or, you know, so-and-so just left their organization, right? And you see the termination because we have all the payroll data that comes over, right? And the termination comes over and so-and-so. And then they say, well, you know, this person actually has a balance that maybe we want to retain within the bank, right? Yes, or yeah. within Morgan Stanley. So let's engage with them and talk to them about that.
0: If I may interrupt, yeah. you're basically make, feeding all this information to the advisors so they can act on it, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, one of the things that we've done, I think very differently than other platforms out there, right? Is no one wants to give data to anyone, Right to their clients. So like it's our data, it's our proprietary stuff because they often have conflicting offerings, right? That are competing with their clients. We're just tech, right? We want to help people. Our whole motive is we want to help people save, right? And we want to start within the workplace and get people the ability to do that. And having the data is really powerful to start giving those leading indicators to do it. Now, you know, Truth be told, there's a lot more we can do, and there's a lot more we want to do that we're just not there yet, right? And we'll get there, right? It's just, we're just you know chipping away at this stuff, but sure, sure. you know building these platforms, right? It never goes as fast as you want, but Absolutely. it's all there and it's all coming together. Now we have all these pieces there, you know, around it, which is really exciting.
0: If I may, for our listening audience, what Aaron and I are talking about, he works in a different part of the ecosystem. Pardon the expression, but that's probably the best way to describe it, what we're really talking about. At Field, we work in a different part. Our part is we basically coordinate multiple accounts in a tax-efficient way so you get a better outcome and quantify the benefit, next best action, all that good stuff. What Aaron's doing is he's capturing information on these early savers, uh, small businesses largely as the, where their focus is, but they feed up that information. Ultimately, if you look at the Morgan Stanley strategy, and I find it the most fascinating of all the firms out there, they have E-Trade for the direct-to-consumer. They've got wealth management for the higher net worth. They've got the Morgan Stanley at work to capture the, whether it's through Empower on the larger plans or Vestwall on the smaller plans. The idea is they're looking to capture data on clients and feed it all and have it reside ultimately on the wealth management platform that Morgan Stanley has available and where they can manage the whole house and consider things like risk and cost and tax and social security benefits and all the ways that you're going to improve outcome. We're speaking the same language, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They also have, you know, they have bought Solium, right? For private stock cap table management, right?
0: Explain that if you would, people may not be familiar with Solium.
1: Solium is, uh, I put them as kind of a, a competitor to a degree, but a little bit larger scale than like a Carta. Right. So as a private business, you know, like Vestwell, right? Venture backed, we have a cap table, all our investors, all our employees, they know that everyone has has stock ownership in the business and option ownership. So it's managing that cap table, right, across that. And if there's some event, you go public, you get acquired, whatever it is, right, there's a capitalization that happens. So, you know, and having that in house as part of a Morgan Stanley offering, right, they're seeing real time what's happening across these organizations as there is some capitalization happening. And then they can step in, the advisor can step in and say, hey, You know, we notice you just, you know, went public or you just got acquired or whatnot.
0: Your balance just went way up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It's a powerful way to engage. Right. And everyone wants to start early. Right. The quicker you're in there. Right. The better off you're going to be to establish that trusted relationship than trying to woo someone over, you know, after you've made all that money, you know, and trying to, you know, pull them from another advisor.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And just to complete that thought on Solium. So my understanding is they have specialized, and it's now fully wound into uh, Morgan Stanley at work, but non-qualified deferred comp is part of what they do, right? For the, the higher mm-hmm. network or higher uh, salaried or higher compensated employees at a business. Here's an example. And this is again, for our audience to understand how this stuff starts to relate. So one of the things that we're having conversations with our friends at Morgan Stanley about is when you have non-qualified deferred comp, there are some tax ramifications as you receive that money. And we can help do that in a tax smart way. In other words, across the portfolio. Not only that, that money that might be coming into to be considered, but rather how do you do so on a tax smart basis? So what's I find fascinating, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Aaron, is how does this all Coming together, in your view, more going forward. How does this in, in be specific? If you would about where you see Vestwell playing. In other words, you play a certain role now. You mentioned a moment ago that you see that expanding and doing more as you're able. Maybe you start to talk about where's what's the future role? Where's this leading, at least from where you sit?
1: Yeah. So everyone needs to save. We know that, right? You need to, right? You often kick the can, right? And you know it's really imperative, especially in today's world, right? With expenses rising. Cost of living rising and not saving enough, right? And you need to start start stepping in early, right? And there's no better way to do that than starting in the workplace and then carrying beyond. Even the states are getting involved in this, right? And you have, you know, Oregon, right, and their their auto IRA and their 529 and their ABLE program. And the Oregon Saves program, the auto IRA, you know, they said, listen, we have too many people that are just undersaved. And we have to do something. And the private market isn't able to engage at the pace we want right now so we're going to start doing it because we can't keep you know paying the hospital bills for individuals that can't afford it or whatever it may be right so they're stepping in forcefully which is actually it's a very good thing as much as people you know i think you know that when the government steps in the financial realm right people You know, tend to get a little apprehensive, but it's actually a very good thing because it catalyzes all these business owners to start doing something faster. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing it where they're actually growing the 401k business because they're like, well, if I'm going to have to do something, I might as well just go do a 401k, right? Mm -hmm. For my employees. So it's actually really helping at its core, right? And they're playing the long game, the states are, as far as how to save this. Now, There is this convergence across the board where it's like, okay, we're going to go start engaging. We're going to start saving now and we're going to do so quickly. And where we see this going, right? It's a little bit of, you know, the history repeating itself in many ways, right? Where things used to all be bundled together and then everything became, you know, separate and open architecture, whatnot. And now things are still, they're coming back together in many ways. And we're Mm -hmm. looking at this saying, okay, we have the information on the individuals. We know that you know, they have a 401k. We see their beneficiaries. Maybe they want a 529. We can, you know, take it a step further. We have the, you know, the rollover piece or the auto IRA payroll deductive. Then you start thinking about, okay, maybe they have have a high deductible insurance plan. Should we offer them a health savings account? Right. Or, you know what, everyone should have an emergency savings account because you don't really want to take a loan out of your 401k, right? And you know, in the ABLE programs I mentioned as well for those you know, individuals that, you know, have a disability or a family member. And it's really powerful to do that up front because in today's world, right, you know, we're pulling a lot of these things together. And as I mentioned, there's still a lot of work to do around it. But, you know, previously what happened is you had to go seek all of these things out yourself as an individual. You know, maybe your employer gave you a 401k, but if you want to do anything else, you had to go figure it out for yourself. And it's hard for people to do that. People don't have time. People are busy. It's confusing. Right. So we're in this perfect position, kind of sitting on this perch where we can start to engage really quickly and efficiently with everyone and help them make the best decision without having to be an expert and go seek this stuff out individually. So that's where we see all this going. And, you know, what we're really excited about is kind of being there at the, uh, you know, upfront, front and center in that conversation and helping people engage.
0: Yeah, let me see if I get this right, because I hear the term financial wellness. I have to say I everyone seems to have a different definition of what it is, but essentially I think what you've just described is your version of financial wellness. As I listen to it and understand it, it's essentially providing guidance around a myriad of decisions, particularly as you're putting money aside and you want to do so in a way that really serves your purpose along the way and, and over time. So really what we're talking about in terms of financial wellness is, is helping because of technology, frankly, making better decisions, not unlike going on Amazon and just being told sort of, you may like this also or whatever. You're just being sort of guided toward a better path. Am I getting that right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. This is kind of a philosophy that I always kind of just live by in many ways, right? Is, you know, we shouldn't be telling people what to do. Right, enforcing their hands. Right, I don't care if you turn left or you turn right. Right, but can I give you the right information in a consumable, digestible way that you know which direction you need to go? Right, that's and that's kind of how we want to do it and how we want to approach people and say, "Hey, this is actually here. You can understand this." We, you know, even we're just we've been having this discussion. We did our exec offsite and we had a town hall the other day, and we're talking about, "Hey, we just have to get rid of all of this confusing language." and these acronyms that people just don't understand and they get afraid of, right? So we, we're we making a very conscious decision to stop referring to 401k clients as plan sponsors, right? Stop referring to employees as participants, right? They're businesses and they're savers. And, you know, if you're out of business, you're a business owner, proprietor, and you're a saver, right? Yes, and trying yes. to just distill it that way mm-hmm. and right. then use that, you know, just just really, you know, I don't like saying dumb it down, but just make it where it's,
0: it's not confusing to people anymore. I couldn't agree more. Well, I, one of the things I, I wanted to get to, and I've been so fascinated with what we've been talking about, I haven't gotten there, but here goes. So uh, how'd you get into this? Give us that, if you would, a high-level career story. How did this evolve? It from way back when?
1: Yeah, without boring people too much in history, but started my career on the large corporate trust side, large corporate ERISA, Northern Trust in Chicago, moved to New York with aspirations to get into asset management, got sucked into the tech world by accident when CheckFree, now InvestCloud, hired me as a product manager to go build a wealth management solution, started building what we call multi-strategy portfolios that now became, you know, unified managed accounts and unified managed households.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So I was a product manager building that stuff in its infancy. And then my old boss and I, left and co-founded a business called Folio Dynamics and built sure. out a wealth management platform. Yep. And we did that for oh, seven years, eight years. Yep. Yep. That got acquired. It's actually owned by InvestNet now out in Chicago. Yep. And kind of in the iteration of building that, right? So we started that in 2007-2007. Stock market collapsed when we were raising our first round of capital in 08. Sure, of course. Was, oh, man. <laughs> I just think like Vessel well is a cakewalk compared to <laughs> li- reliving that era, right? Well, your timing and, has
0: been very good. and You've executed well, but go ahead.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you learn a lot, right? You, you What to do, what not to do. That was not an easy, easy stretch there. But through that, right, we're three years in. We had about 30 employees and our employees said, hey, we want a 401k. So one of my sales guys brought in an advisor who gave us a plan and it was just horrible. And it was so confusing and it was so expensive and it was so clunky and kind of putting my product hat on. I was like, man, we could fix this. I know how to build this stuff, right? I deal with large institutions all day, right? This is my career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what spawned. So this is 2010 our investors were like, hey, that's a great idea, but let's say focused on wealth management. So we just built out the FinTech platform on wealth management. And then when we sold that business, I was like, I need to go fix this. I know how to do it. The market's perfectly right for this. And I'm just going to go after it. Right. So that's great. I got the blessing from my wife. Right. So yeah, of course. Just,
0: the boss. Yeah. Yeah. You know,
1: so I was like, just, I have to. And she's like, all right. She's like, fine. You know, so that was really what did it. So I went out and raised and really just the same idea. You know, it was several years later. Right. That probably better timed because I couldn't have built this back in 2010. The tech wasn't there to the same level it is now. And yeah. we couldn't do a lot of the efficient things that we're doing now. So it's been great.
0: That's terrific. That's great. Well our time goes nigh as the expression goes just a few minutes left. I have two more questions for you. What are three key takeaways? We've covered, you've covered a lot of ground. You guys are doing great work, but what are three key things you'd leave our audience with? Yeah, I think
1: the key thing is, you know, especially in the advisor led world, right? There is this Incredible opportunity at this moment to engage with those small businesses and and make a real business out of it, right? And mm-hmm. I think it's been overlooked for a lot of you know some of the reasons we discussed. Also, I think advisors are like, well, how do I make money doing this? And you know, we often say, listen, you can sell a hundred, you know, startup or million dollar plans a heck of a lot faster than you're ever going to sell one $100 million plan, right? And it's a really great business. It's really impactful. So I think everyone should be engaged in providing workplace savings programs and individual savings programs for that matter. And along that note, I think the second thing is, you know, the states are changing the landscape, right? The states are going to drive a lot of this growth too, right? Whether it goes into a state-sponsored program, or someone says, okay, I'm going to go do something directly or on my own. There's an opportunity for everyone to really start engaging in that level. And then I think the third thing is as a small business, right? And, arguably, you know, Vestwell is still, you know, small business, although we've been growing like crazy, you know, the small businesses, be it restaurants, be it, you know, whatever type of industry, tech company, you know, marketing company, whatever it is, they need to offer something because, you know, we have a tight labor market. People ask and I look at it as a you know business owner that it's our responsibility to help. And that's what we're here to do. So, you know, I think people get a little scared about, you know, how can I afford this and whatnot. And there's really effective ways that you cost effective ways to do that in designing plans that or some sort of savings program that isn't expensive and there's a lot of tax credits and whatnot. So I think it's, you know, really a great responsibility for everyone just to start of making sure that they're setting themselves up and their employees for success in the future.
0: So, Aaron, it's been a a real pleasure speaking with you. I've been a fan. It's actually our first extended conversation. I've enjoyed it very much. And as we do each week, as we go to close our uh, podcast, can you tell us something uh, interesting or unique you do outside of work that people might not know about you or might find interesting?
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, it's been great to be here. I really appreciate it. Fun chat. Man, I don't know. I feel like my life is – I live life from fast forward these days with two (laughs) small kids and a a business (laughs) that's growing like crazy. One thing I will say, this is kind of, I don't know if it's interesting or not. I have always wanted to learn piano and I never have. I actually used to own a record label, co-own a record label and write a lot of music in a prior life. It's like a side job that kind of, you know, a little hobby that became a job. And I still never knew how to play piano. So I would have people come play it for me. So I've been really adamant that I want to do this. So my wife and I, we just went and bought a piano. And I am going to teach myself and hopefully my kids to learn. So check back with me in a year and see if I actually (laughs) come true to that.
0: Good for you. Good for you. That's terrific. I love it. Once again, thanks, Aaron. This has been a lot of fun. Really enjoyed our conversation. I look forward to the next. For our audience, if you've enjoyed our podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and or share what we're doing here at Wealth Tech on Deck. We are available wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again, Aaron. Appreciate it very much. Uh, Look forward to the next time. Yeah, thank you. Great to be here again. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wealth Tech On Deck, our ongoing conversation about improving financial outcomes for all. This podcast is brought to you by LifeYield and produced by Reverb. Subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can connect with our host, Jack Sherry, on LinkedIn and Twitter. And for more information about our perspective on the future of financial advice, visit our website at lifeyield.com.